Welcome to Route 66, a podcast taking you on a theological journey. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with five to seven minutes of spiritual nourishment from one of the 66 books of the Bible, or from the robust heritage of Reformed theology. I am your host, Pastor Anthony Savaggio of the Rochester Christian Reformed Church, located in Penfield, New York, and I am pleased that you have chosen to join me on this journey down Route 66. Today we begin to study the Lord's Prayer proper. That is, we will move beyond the words that preface the prayer to the Lord's Prayer itself. I want to begin our study with a brief overview of the structure and emphases of the Lord's Prayer, and how the Lord's Prayer differed markedly from the prayers that would have been heard in Jesus' day in the synagogues that he frequented. Before we listen to the words of the Lord's Prayer once again, I want to say something about sources. Although I'm using several sources for this series on the Lord's Prayer, I want to give particular credit to the two major sources. You will recognize them because I have already quoted these authors in some of the episodes. The two major sources are, first, William H. Willimon's Lord Teach Us, The Lord's Prayer and the Christian Life, and the second, and really the the most used source, is Kenneth E. Bailey's masterful book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, Cultural Studies in the Gospels. I cannot commend this book enough. I recommend it to you highly, and it will be used frequently, and uh, really is the dominant source uh, for these studies. Now, look out the window. Behold the beauty of the created world. And listen to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, New International Version. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's begin by considering the structure of the Lord's Prayer. Most commentators agree that the basic structure is around the six petitions of the prayer. These are the six petitions. 
First, hallowed be your name. Second, your kingdom come. Third, your will be done. Fourth, give us today our daily bread. Fifth, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And then finally, sixth, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, most commentators also agree that you can further divide those six petitions into two sets of three. And let's do that. Let's consider each set of three, the first three and then the final three. Consider first the first three petitions. What do you notice about these petitions? Let me read them again. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. What do you notice about the scope of those petitions? Yeah, those are big picture items, right? They're about the grand scope, cosmic items. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. They're about God and his sovereign rule over the universe. Ken Bailey uses the phrase eagle's eye view of the world from those three petitions. And there's something else to note about those petitions. Consider the word your. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done. The word figures in each of the three petitions. Sometimes these are referred to as the your petitions. So the first three petitions give us the big picture, and they focus on your, that is, God's name, his kingdom, and his will. What about the final three? There's a marked contrast here. Listen to those again. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And what do you notice about those? Yeah, those are very intimate in scope, aren't they? They're much more about us and our world and you know, our daily bread, our need of forgiveness and our need to forgive others, our need not to be led into temptation, but to be delivered from the evil one. So the scope changes. It's about our world. Also, you'll notice that the word your is not there, and it's replaced by the word us. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So these might be called the us petitions or the we petitions. They're about our world. As you can see, when you take all of these petitions together, and particularly as they're divided between the your petitions and the we petitions or the us petitions, you get a prayer that is amazingly comprehensive, a prayer that encompasses the big picture as well as the intimacy of our daily lives. The second thing I want to consider in this episode are the emphases of the prayer. Because there's a great shift in focus here in how Jesus crafts this prayer in comparison to the prayers he would have heard in the synagogues that he frequented during his earthly ministry. Kenneth Bailey, in his book Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, notes that in the synagogue, uh, Jewish prayers were dominated by 18 benedictions. Of those 18 benedictions, 14 of them were structured as petitions, much like the Lord's Prayer. But Bailey notes that the emphases of these petitions were very different. They focused on primarily Jerusalem and the Temple, on the Torah, on the suffering Israelite community, and on the call for God to defeat the enemies of Israel. What's my point? The point is that the prayers that Jesus would have been acquainted with in the synagogue focused on a very small ethnic community living in a very small geographic place. Now consider in contrast the Lord's Prayer that Jesus crafted. There is no reference at all to Jerusalem or the temple. The scope of this prayer is the entire earth. There is also no call for an attack on enemies or defeat of enemies. Instead, there's a call to forgive and to be forgiven. 
Kenneth Bailey writes this, quote, The Lord's Prayer contains no reference to Jerusalem or the temple, and the disciples are taught to pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth, which reflects a global concern for all people. Forgiveness is tied to forgiving others. No attack on outsiders is voiced, and there is no request for God to look on the suffering of his people or for God's to fight for them. End quote. Now, I'm saying this not to be critical of Judaism or the prayers in the synagogue. I'm pointing this out because of the contrast and how Jesus chose to structure his prayer. It is clear he did this intentionally, deliberately, purposefully. He made his prayer very different when he crafted it, and it was revolutionary in contrast to the prayers he would have heard in the synagogues. Now, Ken Bailey is once again helpful as we consider this point. Quote, Any innovator in any age must deal with the tradition of the past. Some things are omitted, while others are embraced unchanged. Still others are accepted and revised through the introduction of new elements. Jesus is no exception. Noting in turn what he omits, what he endorses, and what he revises by adding new elements is helpful in understanding his carefully crafted intent. And it's clear, based on how Jesus crafted this prayer, that his intent was to revolutionize how we pray. So, now, you, at home, take some time today to pray, using the words of the Lord's Prayer. Pray for the big picture, the needs of the entire world, for our world needs prayer. And also, take time to pray for your own personal needs, your need of daily bread, and your need of forgiveness, and your need to forgive others. Now, grace and peace to you today. Amen. That concludes today's episode. I hope you have found encouragement in God's Word and in the teachings of Reformed theology. Remember the words of the prophet Isaiah who reminds us, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand forever. If you would like more information about Rochester Christian Reformed Church, or if you would like to listen to my online sermon library, please go to rochestercrc.org. Thank you.